0: Left California, and it was 80 degrees and sunny, and it's 30 degrees and ice, so which would you take? (laughs) Well, next subject, there was uh, this Mexican magician, and uh, he tells his audience that he is going to disappear on the count of three. He says, uno, dos, poof, and he disappeared without a trace. Don't write to me about how bad my jokes are. Okay. I don't write them. I just read them, okay? Some of you are thinking about it. You'll figure it out. It's one of those intellectual jokes. That's good, George. You caught it 30 seconds later. That's, thumbs up. It's going to be a slow morning. <laughs> Well, this morning we're going to start a new series uh, called Real Christianity for lack of an imaginative title. And as I was away and uh, had time uh, to think and pray, uh, you know, that's really what the Lord laid on my heart. You know, at this stage of my life, the only thing I can really do for you is to lay out Christianity unvarnished. And I've been here uh, about 24 years and it's time someone just set the record straight. So I don't want anything from you, except I just want everybody genuinely to succeed. And everything I'm going to tell you really is just straight out of the Bible. But I think it's time that we, we, we clear the air here. I think of the American church, quite honestly, is in big trouble. And it's, it's time that we really set the record straight. So uh, I'm calling this morning's message, Shooting Straight. Lord. I do thank you for the worship. I thank you for everyone here. I do pray that you would give me clarity of mind. I would pray that you would give each person here an excitement, Lord, because your word, your gospel, genuinely is life-giving. But the way we're hearing it, it's actually putting people in bondage. So, Lord, I, I just pray for life in this series. I pray for freedom in this series. And I ask again that you would fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head and I would truly speak your words, truth, for the truth does set us free. So now just be glorified. Jesus, may you be exalted. Holy Spirit, may you do your work. And I ask for this in your precious name. Amen. Skip that video. I pray you love that video because what that video is about is that none of us for certain knows how we fit into the plan of God, but we looked at the plan of God several weeks ago. And the plan of God is very simply this, to bring everything under submission to Christ. You know, whether you understand it or not, this entire universe, this earth, is in rebellion to God. It's under a curse. One-third of the angels are in rebellion to God. The vast majority of humanity is in rebellion to God. And God's great plan is to bring everything under submission to him. In fact, we saw this in Philippians chapter 2 and verses 10 and 11. He wrote this, the Apostle Paul, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. At one point in time, everything is going to be in submission to Jesus. Now, if you, if you grasp that, if you can understand this truth, then when you think about it, does it really matter? Does personal accomplishment count for anything? Really? I mean, if you really grasp this, does personal accomplishment really matter? I mean, just imagine this world. I'm not saying it is, and I don't believe it is. But just imagine this world went on for 2,000 years. 2,000 years later, do you think anybody's going to remember the empire called America? Do you think even America will exist? Do you think anyone 2,000 years from now is going to remember one single accomplishment from someone who accomplished something now today? Let me just give you an example. Skip, can you put up the picture? There you have the Philadelphia Eagles. Huh? They won the Super Bowl 2018. Pretty amazing, right? Pretty, pretty amazing. But do you think 2,000 years from now, anybody is going to know that the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2018? Do you think they'll even know what a Philadelphia Eagle is? Let's just talk about Nick Foles for a moment. Skip, put up his picture. Nick Foles, of course, was the winning quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Do you think 2,000 years from now, anybody's going to know who Nick Foles is? Do you think that they will know that Nick Foles is the one who quarterbacked the Philadelphia Eagles to the Super Bowl 2,000 years ago? Do you think they'll even know what a Super Bowl is 2,000 years from now? I think any thinking individual knows the answers to these questions. Now, here's the interesting thing, though, about Nick Foles. Nick Foles is a born-again Christian, and we're going to talk about born-againness next week because that's a really misunderstood doctrine, and I really want to hit on born-againness. But if Nick Foles was here, and he he genuinely is a born-again Christian, he would tell you that God did not care. Back in February, God did not care who won the Super Bowl. He did not care whether the Eagles won it or whether the Patriots won it. You know what God did care about? Nick Foles would tell you, God cared about how Nick Foles carried himself on the field with the fans, with the players, with the coaches, in the locker room. He's going to care about, did Nick Foles, did his behavior, did his words point people to Christ or did they point people away from Christ? That is what's going to matter. That's what God would care about. Just for the record, if you don't know this, the Philadelphia Eagles can't save you. The Philadelphia Eagles can't transform you. They can't deliver you from drugs, alcohol, any other addiction that you might have, any other stronghold that you might have. They can't do that. Only Jesus Christ Can do that. He is the great hope. He is the hope of this world. He's the hope of every single person here. He is the only hope out there, and I hope by the end of this you absolutely understand that. And so please understand God is simply not impressed with anything that you or I do or accomplish here on this earth. It will not matter one whit in the end, and here is why. Skip, can you put up the picture? The Bible's clear on this one point. The Bible's crystal clear, and I told you this several weeks ago. One day, God's just going to pour gasoline on the earth. He's going to pour gasoline on the entire universe, and he's going to light it. (laughs) Massive bonfire. You like fires? You're going to see one. Everything is going to burn up. Everything is going to burn up. The entire universe will be burned up. The entire earth will be burned up. And guess what's going to happen then? There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth with God reigning. New heaven, brand new earth with God reigning. So the only thing that really matters to God on this present earth is people. You know why people matter? Because they carry the image of God. You carry the image of God. It may be fallen, it may be cracked, but you carry the image of God and you are eternal. Every single person out there is eternal. They matter to God. So if you want to impress God, if I want to impress God, then you need to carry out his mandate. You need to carry out his calling. Do you know what God's calling is for the believer? It's Getting close, that's right. Many of you might be asking, what is God's calling on my life? Well, let me t- I'm, I'm talking now to born-again believers, okay? Because it's only going to make sense to a born-again believer. But if you are truly a born-again believer, we'll look at John chapter 3 if you want to get a preview of next week. The calling that God has on your life is both logical and obvious. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus said this to some of the disciples. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee... He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Now I can just imagine Peter for a moment thinking, Are you kidding me, Jesus? You want me to give up my future in fishing? I mean, I have dreams, Jesus. I have big plans. I plan to be the greatest fisherman on Lake Galilee that ever lived. In fact, I want written on my tombstone that Peter was the greatest fisherman in Lake Galilee. Now, we might think, well, that's kind of stupid. And we might laugh at this. But how stupid is it when we pursue our worldly jobs, our worldly professions, titles, degrees, All of these things that are right here in this world are going to burn up. Now, how silly is that? How meaningless is that when you stack them up to eternity in Jesus' eternal kingdom? You know, interestingly enough, Peter is known as the great fisherman. Did you know that? You know why he's known as the great fisherman? Because he got hit by a Mack truck. You know, has anyone here been hit by a Mack truck? See, if you've been hit by a Mack truck, guess what? You're going to be changed. You ever thought about that? If a Mack truck hits you, bam! Head on, you're, you're going to look different, don't you think? going to be a big change. See, Peter got hit by a Mack truck. You know what the Mack truck's name is? Jesus. Bam! He got hit. In Peter's life, his thinking was turned upside down. And all of a sudden, a light bulb went on in this guy's Head. And he realized, you know what? All that matters is people. Because people are eternal. People are the only thing that is going to matter. Skip put up the picture. Now that's a night that will live on in infamy. Did you know that you're on the Titanic? This world is the Titanic. It is going down. No, this world is going down. And the only people who are going to live, the only people who are going to make it are the people who make it in the lifeboat called Jesus. That's it. If you don't get yourself in the lifeboat called Jesus, you will die. Do you know what the vast majority of people are doing as the Titanic's going down? That's right, they're rearranging the deck chairs. People are just involving themselves in all kinds of temporal things. Satan's game of golf, they got their job going. I mean, they got the house, they got the car, they got the nest egg, they got the retirement, they they got all this stuff going on. It's just going to burn. It's going to go down. It won't matter one iota. Does it make any sense at all? That we as born-again Christians immerse ourselves in this world when it isn't going to matter one bit. Let me give us a reality check here as to why it won't matter. Skip, can you put up the picture? Hell is a real place. Hell is a very real place. Do you know that Jesus talked about hell more than anybody else? No one even close. Jesus talked about hell more than anyone else. Vance Havner, you probably don't know Vance Havner, but Vance Havner was actually a pretty well-known preacher 30, 40, 50 years ago. It's amazing how preaching has changed. You know, I've challenged some guys to look and, and watch Billy Graham in the 1950s. I mean, you watch Billy Graham. You watch the early preachers, and you wonder if we even have preaching anymore. I mean, it has changed that much in 50 years. The message has gotten watered down, and it is tragic as to what is happening in the American church as a result. But Vance Havner, you know, one Sunday morning he preached on hell, and a parishioner didn't like it, and the parishioner came up to Vance Havner, and he said, Pastor, why don't you preach more about the meek and lowly Jesus? And Havner replied, that's where I got my information about hell. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is coming back. Did you know that Jesus is coming back? And when he comes back, he's coming back in judgment. He's not the meek and lowly Jesus. He's not the Savior Jesus. He's actually the judging Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 25, there's a thing called the parable of the talents. And Jesus says these stinging words to the third Servant, the unbelieving and the selfish servant. Skip, can you put that up? Matthew 25 and verse 30. And he says, And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there is a weeping and a gnashing of teeth. Jesus is writing this. Jesus is saying this, where there is a weeping and a gnashing of teeth. You know, people think that, and I used to be one of them, (laughs) you know, I was a hell raiser. And I used to tell people, well, hell, hell ain't going to be so bad. You know, it's going to be a fun time. I'll at least be with my friends. We'll be able to play poker, and we'll, we'll be drinking. Well, let me tell you something. There aren't going to be any poker parties in hell. Pity parties maybe, but there's not going to be any poker parties. You know, then at the end of Matthew in chapter 25, at the end of Matthew in chapter 25, there's the sheep and the goat judgment. And Jesus says, These words, these sobering words to the goats. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Do you see the parallelism there? Heaven is eternal. Heaven is eternal. But guess what? So is hell. Hell is eternal. Hell is an eternal place, just as heaven is an eternal place. It's forever and, you know, it's sobering to think that if, when you have spent 10,000 years in hell, if you find yourself in hell, you'll be no closer to getting out after 10,000 years. I don't know about you, but that just terrifies me. That is really a sobering thought. Rob Bell. Skip, can you put up his picture? Rob Bell, some of you might know him. Rob Bell is a former pastor. Rob Bell actually pastored a church called Mars Hill in Michigan. The church grew to over 10,000 people one of the largest churches in America at the time. Bell, in fact, was a poster child for the what we call the modern cutting-edge evangelical pastor. He actually cut his hair. He used to have his hair dyed and gelled, wore the skinny jeans. You know, he was cool. He was cutting edge. I mean, he, 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 was, he was the place to be. And along with it, he had kind of a cool, cutting-edge new theology. And not too long ago, he wrote a book entitled love wins. Skip, you can put it up. Now, sadly, love wins became a bestseller. In fact, many evangelicals just imbibed this book, hook, line, and sinker. Bell's basic thesis was this, love wins. In other words, God is so loving that there's no way he's going to cast someone into hell. In the end, Bell writes this, God love overpowers his judgment and hell, therefore, is not biblical. Sadly, Bell is like many modern, enlightened Christians. He has a Santa Claus Jesus. He has a Santa Claus God who is, you know, this old, benevolent guy up there, long beard, hands out pieces of candy, and he pats people on the head, and he goes, they're there, they're there. And what is absolutely so sad to me is how many, in quote, born again, evangelical believers are now denying that there is an eternal hell. You know, it's not always fun being a pastor. And several years ago, I had a young man come up to me. And he had read Rob Bell's book. I don't know who gave it to him, but someone had given it to him. And I just want you to know that there's a lot of stake here. Truth matters. And the young man asked me, well, what do you think of that book? And I said to him, well, you know, it makes excellent kindling for a fire. I mean, I didn't cut any slack on this one. I said, Rob Bell's a heretic. And it's a dangerous place to be when you put yourself above the clear reading of Scripture. That's a really, really dangerous place to find yourself. And, you know, this young man was respectful. He listened to me. And at the end of our discussion, the young man said to me, he goes, You know what? I agree with Rob Bell. I think Rob Bell's right. He left the church. And he's now going to a church in the area, in this church. Now, get this now. It focuses on social justice, social justice. In fact, it really saddens me how many pastors, how many churches now who are evangelical focus on social justice. In fact, I heard one pastor say this. He goes, you know what? I'm, I don't care about the sweet by and by. What matters is we're focused on solving real problems, real issues now, like the environment, like economic injustice, like racial injustice. Uh, You know, how about sex slavery? How about guns, violence? How about the new cool cutting-edge cause, the Me Too movement? I mean, churches in America... Are primarily focused on this. How sad it is to me that the Church of Jesus Christ is now spending its time marching. We're in marches. We're holding up signs. Don't do this. Don't do that. We're really involved. I mean, I get emails every day about giving money and supporting this legislation and that legislation. And are we kidding? No, are we kidding? We got a heart problem. Jesus came here to solve not a symptom, but a problem. We have a fundamental problem in America, and it's a heart problem. And Jesus Christ is the only one in the good news that can solve that problem. He's the only one that can give you a new heart. He's the only one that can give me a new heart. How sad. It is that somehow it's now cool and enlightened to think that the purpose of Jesus Christ's church is to make, you know, America a better place, to solve or the world a better place and solve all these social injustice problems and and to make your life comfortable and my life comfortable and better. How in the world do you get there? How do you get from this and Jesus not having a place to lay his head The apostles, one after another, dying for this. How do you get to the place where we're trying to make the world a better place that's going to burn up? How how do you get there? I'll tell you how you get there, because you don't understand hell. You see, if you begin to have a faulty view, and, and God is just this loving guy up there, you know, and people are basically good and everybody's going to be cool and sweet by and by, then there's no hell. Hell doesn't exist anymore. And once you remove hell, once hell isn't an issue, you begin to focus on the here and now. And that's where the church really is. The church, by and large, has got love winning, meaning it's a mushy form of love. And since People are basically good. Hell really is a myth. And we're focusing now on making this a better place. You know, I guess the Apostle Paul needs to get enlightened. Because he says this in Colossians chapter 3. Watch what he says in Colossians. Let these words speak to you. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Isn't that something? He, you know, when you're truly born again, he takes you from the earth. And you're raised up where Christ is. Your hearts, set your hearts on things below. Oh, excuse me, no. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. You died. See, that is the central message, and we're going to hit it up. born again. It's not even talked about in the church anymore. Because Well, that's too negative. No, it's a positive thing to die because when you die, you live. And now your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Isn't that something? I mean, uh, how, you know what, what part of this just is not clear? It's the eternal that matters. It's not the temporal. It's the eternal that matters, not the temporal. And the true church of Jesus Christ has got to be concerning itself with souls. The souls of men, the souls of women, the souls of children. They're eternal. It's the only thing that is eternal. It's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters. And we get so easily swayed by what we see, the tinsel. And Satan, it's just too easy for him. How we get off course? It's people that matter. I said it before. How badly do I have to hate someone? How badly do I have to hate the non-believer to be so concerned about myself and what people think about me and what they're going to think about me that I won't warn them that there's a hell and eternal? I mean, how seriously? How badly do we have to hate them, not to at least warn them in love? Hey. You know, you got a choice here. There's good news, but if you reject it, there's an eternity in hell. Well, let me just challenge this real quick. And the challenge is this. You know, when a church, when a seminary, I say is going bad or liberal, there are three things that I identify it. And the first thing is this. You know what the first doctrine is? A church rejects or a seminary rejects when it's going liberal. Anybody know? Depravity of man. Depravity of man. I can't tell you how often I hear people say, I I just don't understand how a loving God could send good people to hell. You got the Pope, you know? It's, it's amazing. You've got leaders saying, well, yeah, you know, there are good Muslims and there are good people, and, and they're, they're still going to go to heaven. You ever heard that? Come on. They, they, they say that there's these good people. Or how can God allow bad things to happen to good people? You ever heard that? You know what Jesus' response to that is? 2,000 years ago, a rich young man came up to Jesus and he said, good teacher, what must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, that question's got all kinds of problems, but we don't have time to go into it. But you know what Jesus, how Jesus responded to him? Put it up, Mark chapter 10. Why do you call me good, Jesus answered, "No one is, no one is good except God alone. No one's good. See, that's a lie. Do you know what your biggest problem is, my biggest problem is? I'm selfish. See, that's what it means. I am bent on self. And why do you think there's an Adolf Hitler? Why do you think we steal? Why do you think we lie? Why do I do the things that I do? Why do I say the things that I say to my wife? See, we go to these marriage seminars. And we do all this kind of stuff thinking we're going to better ourselves, and we don't understand that the fundamental problem that has to be dealt with is i got a selfish problem, and you do too. The world in the state that it's in because it's full of selfish people. And see, only Jesus can deliver us from our selfishness. So you can go to all of the marriage seminars, and you can go to the parenting things, and you can do whatever you want. But see, the real issue is, and it's not taught in the American church anymore, is that the flesh must die so the spirit can live. See, and we're going to talk about that. That's the real truth. And so we're not even helping people anymore. We're really not helping people. So the first thing to go is the depravity of man. Anybody know what the second doctrine to go is? This, the inspiration of Scripture. This book's no longer inspired. Do you know why it's no longer inspired? Because it will tell you about the depravity of man. (laughs) I mean, this isn't hard. No, I mean, read, you know, I don't, read Romans 3. Here's the epitaph, just real quick. Paul gives us the epitaph of man. He says, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All? What does all mean? All means all all the time, and that's all all will ever mean. And it says this all have turned away, they have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their threat, throats are like open graves, their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood, ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Wow. That's just the summation. The Bible says of man. We have a wicked problem. We have a heart problem. We have a selfish problem. And it needs to be dealt with. You know what the third doctrine to go? So we got the depravity of man, the inspiration of Scripture, and then you know what the next one is? Hell. Because, you see, if man is basically good and God's all-loving, hell's gone. Hell's a myth. Hell's not necessary. And it's gone. But you know what? Jesus makes it crystal clear that there is a hell. We call that the bad news. I do a lot of witnessing. That's the bad news. But you know what the good news is? It says that while we were still sinners, while I was still in rebellion, while I was still shaking my fist, Jesus Christ came and he died for me. Isn't that something? Jesus Christ came and he died for you. Because you see, God desires that no one would perish. And that's the good news. But the only way that you and I are not going to perish is Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must become born again. You must become born again. And see, we don't understand how we receive that incredible gift that Jesus offered on the cross because it's not explained, it's not understood. In fact, part of the message, half the message is ripped out. I'm going to show you next week. And so I want to talk about born again this next week. But... Let this message speak to you. I mean, as we close now, just think about where do you spend the vast majority of your time, your effort, your money? Is it on eternal things, people, or is it on things in the promotion of self and things that are just going to burn up? Lord, this really shouldn't be a tough message because Truth is truth, and truth is always meant to set free. And that's the beauty of you, Lord, because you give us the truth, which isn't always pleasant to hear. In fact, Jesus, you said, narrow is the road, narrow is the way that leads to life, and sadly, just few find it. Not because you don't want all to find it, but because few will only choose that. You told the Israelites so many thousands of years ago, today, today, Choose life and not death. Choose life. And that's before us right now. Choose life. Choose Jesus. Choose him. And not the way that seems right uh, unto man. That leads ultimately to death. As we sing this last song, Holy Spirit, just have your way with our hearts, I ask. And I ask for this in your precious name. Amen. That the Lord liveth, his kingdom liveth, the kingdoms of this earth will not. See, when we put ourselves firmly with Jesus and his kingdom, we live. When we try in any way to compromise that and live in this world, we die. Amen. So if you, you know, are somewhat new here and just, are you just been pricked, we'd love to pray with you, talk to you about Jesus and how you can really live. I mean... Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and he can truly give you life. Amen. And we'd certainly love to pray and talk with you about that. So thankful to have the Flax with us. Please visit them in Camp Pinnacle. It's just a great privilege to have them with us. Also, there is a meeting after. It's interesting, you know, they just kind of work together. But we're having a meeting for those that want to really learn, hey, how can I get the gospel out there more? We hold signs, that's coming up, and also the Jesus Soda Survey. So if you just want to hear more about that, you want to be involved in that, we're going to be meeting, as Jeff said, at the room, I don't know what they call it, the meeting room right across from the office, and we'll have that meeting in about 10 minutes. It'll just last about 15, 20 minutes. But really would love to have you be a part of this. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. And may he give you a heart that pursues the eternal and not the temple. God bless you all.
1: Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our Statement of Faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's bccdelmar.org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making him known.